Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, 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 good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Tuesday morning to each and every one of you. Great to have you with us here on Off the Bench, presented by our friends at United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, Casey McAllister, Paul Fritchner, our summer intern, Jacob Tissett. How, How are, are you doing this morning, gentlemen? Fantastic. How are you, Tom? I don't know. I'm still recovering, which we're going to get to uh, more on that here in just a moment from the uh, big bachelor party. Oh, yeah. Me too, Tom. Me too. Did you guys get into this at all yesterday? I mean, we very, very quickly teased it uh, because we knew we had Tracy Jones coming on today and we had a lot to talk about from the weekend. So we quickly teased it, but we didn't go into everything. So no pictures? No, no. no. We saved all that for you today. Well, I'm glad you did. Because we're going to get to that here in just a second. As you know, we come your way Monday through Friday, 10A to 12P. Indeed. You can follow us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. And if you'd prefer to download us, please, by all means, in podcast form, just search off the bench with Tom Bredeman and you're dialed in. Well, the guys were talking about it here a minute ago. Not a bad big league debut for Matt McClain last night. Not bad at all. In fact, pretty doggone good. The Reds rookie shortstop in the lineup last night after just getting called up. Had a double, drew a walk, scored two runs in the series opener out in Denver. The problem, as it normally is in Denver, was pitching. Hunter Green gave up six runs in four innings, including a four spot in the second inning. Reds lose to Colorado 9-8. Cincinnati tried, as they do frequently, give them credit for that, to rally in the ninth. They were down by two, scored one, but left two on as Henry Ramos flied out to end the game. Is there reason to be concerned about Hunter Green? We have been asking that question for quite some time on this show now. Or was last night, you're going to chalk it up to mile-high altitude. Here's the deal. He allowed 10 base runners in his four innings, 10, while throwing almost 100 pitches in four innings. That's 68 base runners. Okay, I'm not a big stat guy, but hear me out now. 43 innings pitched, 43. He's not even averaging five innings a start. 43 innings pitched, he's allowed 68 base runners. If you project out those numbers for the rest of the year, normally I don't like doing that, but if you project them out the way it's going right now, he would allow more than 100 base runners, 100 more base runners than innings pitched over a full season. And I can promise you if that's the case, that earned run average at the end of this year is up close to six. You can take it to the back. Game two is tonight in Denver. Brandon Williamson, he was a big guy in this trade with Seattle when they shipped off Suarez and Winker, right? He is starting tonight, making his major league debut, big, tall left-hander. He'll be opposed by Chase Anderson. Remember, Anderson spent all of spring training with the Reds, and then they let him go. The longtime voice of the Colorado Rockies on television, Drew Goodman, will join us at 11 to talk about the series. The Reds remain in fourth place in the NL Central. They're only five games back of Milwaukee, who was clobbered last night by St. Louis 18-1. Don't look 
now, but are the Cardinals getting it together? They have won four straight. They're six and a half games out after what has been a brutal start to the season. The Oakland A's continue to inch closer and closer to moving. They reached an agreement to build a potential stadium on the Tropicana Hotel site. That's right along the Vegas Strip. The A's ownership is willing to spend $1.1 billion of its own money to build a 30,000-seat retractable dome stadium. And they're looking for $400 million from the taxpayers in Vegas. A vote on that could come as early as this week. In the NHL, are you following the NHL, fellas? You following it? You watching it? Our Dallas Stars, Tom. Our Stars. Moving on. Anybody that beats Seattle in anything, I'm in. That's right, Tom. Renegade Outlaw City. Beautiful, but complete chaos. They're in Portland. Flip a coin. San Francisco. Uh, Dallas beat Seattle last night in Game 7 of the Western Conference Semis. 2-1 the final. Dallas plays Vegas starting Friday night. On the hardwood, the top seed Denver Nuggets host the L.A. Lakers tonight in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. Now, Nikola Jokic says this is a very, very different Laker team than what they saw during the regular year, and he ain't lying. L.A. has stunned already the number two seed Memphis Grizzlies. They knock off the defending champion Warriors through its first two postseason series. In the East, Miami and Boston begin their series tomorrow night. In football, I'm curious to hear and read your thoughts on this Peacock and the NFL postseason story. The league announced that the streaming service will televise a primetime NFL playoff game this season. Now, there is a caveat to this, okay? Peacock's parent company is NBC, as many of you know, okay? So let's assume for a second that playoff game, let's just say the Bengals were playing uh, the Bills, Okay, NBC would put the game on their local affiliate. So that'd be Channel 5 here in town. They do that for Cincinnati and they would do that for Buffalo. But for the rest of the country, there's a paywall that would be put up to watch an NFL playoff game. First time they've ever done that. Would you be paying for that? Is this a foreshadowing of things to come? So many topics to get to. Many thousands in the chat already and watching online. But let's start with Saturday night. Casey? Yep. Your bachelor party, before we get to sports here today, if you had to put a grade on it, put together by my new main man. Some people call him Thomas, the best man in your winning. I prefer to call him Tomas. Because he spells it T-O-M-A-S. And he does have some Hispanic blood in him, does he not? Uh, he no. looks like he does. No, I, don't, I do not think he has any Hispanic blood. Well, he blood. has some kind of, though, foreign blood in him. I think it's Cherokee. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, all yeah. right, Native American blood. Okay, yeah. I, I, I knew he had a different, um, a little bit darker complexion to him. That's why I thought perhaps Hispanic with T-O-M-A-S, but he goes by Thomas. Uh, if you were grading him in his um, uh, planning and then, most importantly, execution, 
of the bachelor party. One being the worst, 10 being the best. Tomas gets a... He gets a solid eight. A solid eight. Eight. Yep. Give him higher than that. Well, I mean, he, he, he's almost at a nine. Almost at what nine. could he have done better? The only thing that could have gone better... The only thing... Okay. Well, you know what? He deserves a 10. I don't think I can think of anything. See, I just I, I, you know, You know, I didn't... I, I just hate giving out perfect grades, but he deserves a perfect grade. He did a great job, Tom. I mean, every place we went, organized, functional, everyone was having a great time. Thomas, thank you. We appreciate it. Okay, so for those that don't know, it, it, it took place on Saturday where you guys started. Paul, you were there. Yep. Um, it, it, it started on the banks where there are a number of different establishments, right? Some more crowded, some more popular than others, right? But a solid group of choices down there, okay? At the end of the day, which one turned out to be the best stop from what you can remember? Because there had to be a point in time, especially by the time I got there, about 10.45 p. Left my wife and a bunch of other friends and said, I got to be down there from a man Casey's bachelor party. So I went racing down there. Thank God, no ticket. Left my car in some parking lot. My wife screamed at me. I didn't lock her car. What was the best stop? Ooh, the best stop. Um, was it Tin Roof? Tin Roof was fun because the tin band started fun. playing as soon as we got to Tin Roof. I like Tin Roof anyway, but the band started playing as soon as we got there, ripping shots. It was good. It was fun. Yeah, it tequila. was fun. Thomas convinced me to do a straight tequila shot, which if you've been listening to this program for a while, you know that I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good to go with the flow, but a straight tequila shot is usually where I draw the line. And you know what? Figured when in Rome. So I did it. It was good. We all had a good time. And you showed up, Tom. We all had a great time. We had a great time. I was worried about our boy, though, by the time I got there. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> I think everyone was a little worried. When you called me, Tom, and you said, hey, how, how are we looking? Well, I called well, you Casey, called and I said, Casey, this conversation's going nowhere fast. Yeah. Can I please talk to Mr. Fritchner? Because I knew he would be holding it all together as the pride <laughs> of Xavier. <laughs> yeah so by the time you and i talked on the phone things were things were quickly spiraling spiraling for our guy Casey. <laughs> yes they were yes they were but you hung in there and i give it up to you i would have pulled a houdini at that point if i were where you were at that point i'd have just said hey i'm going to the bathroom and next thing i know i'm in an uber and i'm out back to mason well i mean i probably couldn't even have called an uber <laughs> to be honest they probably wouldn't have let me get in the Uber. I was that yes, way. Yes, the Farcon. We need to we need to talk about something that we did talk about yesterday. Yes. Casey threw up on the way home, out the window of the car, and the car never stopped rolling. I knew that was coming. He threw up like I compared it. Remember the the Geico ad with the little piggy flying the pinwheel out the window. <laughs> remember that ad? Absolutely. Yeah, that's Casey sticking his head out the window, throwing up. The car kept moving oh, and had to get home and hose it down. Oh, boy. Not good. 
not good. I knew that was coming. There are videos. Jacob made the point because by the time you guys, I left to go home and you guys made your way to the casino. And Jacob made the point. Once you sit down, it's D-U-N. Done. Yeah. Things start moving around. Not good. No. Right? Not good at all. Then you get the motion of the car. Right? Yeah. It it just, it eventually just, as soon as I sat down, I knew it was over. I was going to puke at some point. I thought I could make it home in time. That didn't happen. Not even close. If anybody saw in their neighborhood a guy pulling out his uh, garden hose about 230A, that would have been Tomas. <laughs> Got to clean things up. No evidence. No evidence. All right. We do have a little evidence of this, though. We do have some pictures and videos, but it might not. we might not get them up till Tracy Jones comes on later. Okay. Uh, the other thing we're going to discuss with Tracy, because it occurred the very same day. Uh, Paul Fritzner was kind enough to send me uh, a text before it hit social media. Paulie, you made an honest woman out of her. I did. You know, what was funny was... Congratulations. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, I, so I, I told this yesterday. I didn't want to share it around here because I didn't want anybody to feel burdened with having to, to keep that a secret given the fact we're on the air for 15 hours a week. So you know what? I said, I'll just keep it a secret. But the best part of it was that every time there was a segment that got brought up about it, like the one that we talked about last week where you were saying, yep. Paul, you know, well, we got Casey over here and then we got Paul, whatever Paul's doing. I would clip that and I would send it to her to kind of throw her off and make her think like, oh, it's not coming, it's not coming. But, I mean, I had that plan since, like, January. In fact, the same day that I had first gone in to, like, have the the ring appointment was the same day my car died that I thought I was going to need a new car. So I thought all of that was going to hit on the same Ooh. the same, in the same day. Yeah, Ooh. I know. But then the car got fixed, and at least it's serviceable for now, and everything's good. So, yeah, it all worked out, and... We had fun. It was a great day. It was good weather, and everything was perfect. All right, so let me ask you, because the picture some of you may have seen that you posted on uh, social media. Yeah. You were over on the campus of UC. Yeah. And (laughs) you were over at Xavier, your alma mater, her alma mater. Yeah. Okay, and so did you say, because she was beautifully dressed. Had you guys gone somewhere? You had a coat and tie on the whole nine yards. How did you sell that? Yeah, so she thought that we were going to the precinct for dinner because we'd had reservations to go there for dinner for a long time, or at least she thought we did. And so we thought we were going – she thought we were going to the precinct for dinner um, just to celebrate a couple of things that we hadn't gotten around to being able to do with basketball season and everything, just hadn't had a free Friday. Yeah, I mean, Lord knows, you'd go to bed before 3 a.m. without watching a basketball game. (laughs) More important things, but please. Yeah, I I mean, free Fridays are few and far between, and so without baseball or anything going on, I I looked at the calendar a few months ago, and I said, hey, let's go to the precinct on May 12th, and she said, perfect, sign me up. Well, we were never going to the precinct, and so while we were in the car on the way to the precinct, my guy from Xavier that schedules my, my baseball games called me, and he said, hey, uh, the baseball game that was supposed to be away on Saturday got moved home because of field conditions. Is there any chance that you could come by and pick it? Boy, gonna... now that's a big league move there. Yeah. That so... is big league move. Get a buddy to call. Yeah. Give you a reason to go down there. Yeah. So okay. he, he said, is there any way that you can come by and pick up all the broadcast gear 
which the way that he phrased it, it was a perfectly normal thing. Like it was not anything that she would have ever suspected or thought. It's, it's very normal for him to call me and say, hey, can you come get this stuff? It just so happened that when he called, we were like five minutes from campus. And I said, well, can I come get it tomorrow morning? Because I knew he was going to be at graduation the next morning. I said, hey, can I come get it at graduation before the game? And he said, no, no, I really need you to come get it now. So I said, all right. Xavier's only five minutes out of the way on the way down to the precinct. I'll come get it now. And we did. So I, I pulled up right in the back of campus. That sign where I took the where yep. we did it was right in the back of campus. I mean, you, you're, it's right off Victory Parkway. It's a sign that you, you see when you enter campus. So I just pulled up. He was standing right there. And I got out of the car to, like, fake getting all the bags out of the back of his car. And I said, hey, you know, by the way, you know, all these flowers and everything look really nice. Lizzie, you want to get a pic? Like, we're dressed up. Lizzie, you want to just get a picture while we're here, and then we can keep on going to dinner? She's like, yeah, sure, no problem. So we get out, took a picture, and then wow. that was that. So it, it worked out. Got she down had, on your knee. Had no idea. Yeah. And then and I what, forgot, what were your exact words? I have, I completely blanked, Tom. Okay. But completely she did blanked. say yes. We haven't gotten to that part. She did. She did. She did say yes. Confirmed yes. Was there any remote hesitation did you sense in her at all? Well, you know what was funny? No, but what was funny was it was, again, it was pretty normal that, like, he was taking a picture of us. And she knows that we've obviously been working together for years. She knows him really well. So when I turned to her to start kind of, you know, talking and being nice and sweet and everything, she started to, like, kind of pull away from me because she goes, I mean, you're being really nice, but can you, can you say this later? Like, she thought it was kind of awkward. And then she realized what then she realized what I was doing, and she goes, "Oh, okay. Well, we're good." As I've shared with you many times, and and we will bring this up with Tracy, um, the part about her pulling away from you, yeah, that will become a regular. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very brief. You can take that to the bank. It was it was like as I as I turned her from because I had my arm around her for the picture, and then as I turned her toward me, she kind of like took a half a step back, and she said, "What what are you doing? What are you doing?" So just bear with me for about wow. 30 seconds. Did uh, did you talk to her mom and dad, see them? Or I did, Mother's yeah. Day so the next day or any of that kind of thing? I did. No, so we all got together. So it actually happened on Friday night. Yeah. I didn't post the picture until Saturday, but okay. it, it happened on Friday night. So I, she was in a wedding a, a couple of weeks ago, and I had, um, I had talked to her parents around then. And uh, So you went the traditional route of I talking did. to her mom and dad ahead of time, or dad for sure ahead of time, Absolutely. Right? Talked to her mom and dad. They were they were both there together. Talked to her mom and dad, and everything worked out great. Everything was perfect. And that's why Ronnie Smith says BLP, enough said. <laughs> Could not have gone better, seriously. And then Saturday with Casey. It was perfect. It was a great weekend. I feel like, I feel like Friday afternoon signing off the show was 10 years ago. It was four days ago. It was great. It was a great weekend. Elite weekend. Saturday Saturday night was a lot of fun. We ended up at the casino and poor Casey. I just have one question. A, a friend of mine uh, named Walt DeWeese, who is one of the funniest human beings I've ever been around in my life. Uh, Walter has been married for a solid 24 years to his beautiful wife, Holly. And Walter can, can drift off the reservation like most of us from time to time. Okay? You know, he can maybe stay with the boys, you know, have a few cocktails, maybe later than he should, later than we should, right? And so he gets what is called a report the next morning, basically from his wife on his behavior, his conduct, et cetera, et cetera, right? Casey, were you given any kind of conduct report 
when you rolled out of the rack, whenever that may have been, on Sunday morning, Mother's Day? From who? Exactly? From your bride to From be. my bride? Um, I was given a report, Tom, and it was not good. And, you know, it wasn't even because of, of us going out there and having a great time. It was because I wasn't thinking of her, and I didn't text her during the entire party. Why would she think that you would be texting her? I mean, there are, I mean, come on. She was expecting you to text her during the, as you went from what, one well, bar to the next? Oh, well, well, the, the one time I did text her, it was to get money from our bank. I asked her to send me $100. <laughs> I did not know that. Wait, 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 time out a second. Yeah. You are engaged. Yeah. And you need to ask your bride to be if you can get a hundred dollars. I mean, you, you, that's a joke, right? Well, There's we, no way that's true. No, like, forget we, the fact that you, you know, the only time you did text her, I'm putting that off way off to the side. <laughs> Casey, I you I could can't. have just all of a sudden stop in an ATM and pull out a hundred bucks. Well, we don't have joint bank accounts, and my 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 account takes care of all the mortgage and all that. So I was actually low on funds that at that point. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. So well, I that just, happens to everybody. That's yeah. okay. So, so now you asked her to what? PayPal you a hundred bucks? Venmo, because I was trying to use. So the funny story was I was fine. I was trying to use my credit card, but I couldn't type in my pin correctly as to show how intoxicated I was. And so I asked her to send me on Venmo so I could just use my other card because I knew that one just like... Casey, I know when this happened. I didn't know that this happened, but I know at what point in the night this had to have happened because I was probably 10 feet away from you. I didn't realize you were talking to her. I could have just given you... I could have lent you the money. I had the well, money. Well, that's what... that's Thomas ended up... <laughs> Thomas ended up giving me a hundred dollars, and then we never ended. You never ended up doing anything. With no, it. I never ended up doing anything with it. Casey, so I gotta give it back to him. Casey, well, this was, is going to be a rough day with the tracer today. Casey was so down bad at the at, at Holy Grail after you left that it, Thomas and I made the executive decision because the night was supposed to end at the casino. So Thomas and I made the executive decision: no casino. Casey's, you know, sitting there. And then Casey, he, he mixed in a couple of waters, and he stood up, and, and he, he cut off the alcohol, and he was feeling good. He was feeling a lot better. So Thomas and I looked at each other, and Casey was insistent on getting to the casino. So we said, okay, we'll get down there. So we get there. He's fine. I, I buy him a pizza. Have a couple pieces. Crowded down there Saturday night? Yeah, oh, yeah. It okay. was crowded. Good crowd. Good, good crowd. place. Well, yeah, good oh, place. Yeah. Excellent oh, yeah. place. And we get there. Casey's fatal mistake. He sat down. He sat down, he ate a piece of pizza. By the time I came back and I saw him, his head's going like this. I'm going. Oh boy. Nathan Hines, we might need to Been there. Yeah. Been there. He needed some potty and it wasn't around. No, it wasn't around at the time. No. Went home and set, sipped on some, but wasn't there when I needed it most. No. I tell you, AJ hit the nail on the head, says uh, Thomas gave you a hundred bucks. Had to wash off his car because you got sick on it. And on top of everything else he has sacrificed for you that night and in general. Hang on. And you deliver an 8 out of 10 rating. Hold on. Clearly, 
Those no are all listen. the facts. Those are no all the listens. there isn't like some no 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 no. Hang on. I'm not letting here. any of you get you away with like this. Sound like Biden. I'm not letting any of you get away with this. You asked me how you sound like you Anthony Blinken. Me, you sound like Blinken. You asked me to rate the planning of and the bachelor party. execution. Well, the execution was you can't even you can't even measure it because it was perfect. There I mean, it was amazing, and I even went back and. Retract, redacted my initial eight to a ten. Yeah, come on, people. It was good. Don't do me like this. <laughs> I Dude, was, you're I the was, one that did it. I didn't do it. Oh. The only reason Casey mixed in the water was to to make it to the casino. Otherwise, we could have kept going on the beer. But I, Thomas, and I said if we if we do want to end up at the casino at some point, there's got to be a water situation. And we took care of that, and then we got to the casino, and things went south. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we got the tracer coming up. We'll get into all this in just a little while. Um, I want to get into a couple of things with you guys about um, – I've been saying on this show – talking about the let, – let's start with the good. Okay, let's start with the good. The good was they hit the ball. And when you go to Denver, most teams are going to hit the ball. As many of you know, some may not. They play at mile high altitude. When they started playing there, okay, in 1993, when they were playing in Mile High Stadium – before Coors Field was built, um, the, the ball was flying everywhere for a number of years. And then they decide to start putting balls inside of a humidor uh, to try and cut down uh, basically uh, how far the ball will travel and all those kinds of things at that altitude. And there's been minor league baseball in Denver for a thousand years before there was major league baseball. In fact, the Reds AAA team for a number of years was in Denver. So, um, even with the humidor, offense is still the name of the game in Colorado. We're going to talk more about this with Drew Goodman, their longtime TV voice today. I've always wondered, and I used to have conversations with this uh, topic with uh, especially Jim Leland, who, uh, of course, won a World Series uh, while managing the Marlins. Uh, he had a, a stint out there in Denver. And a manager is challenged with trying to win uh, while navigating the bullpen. Now, now, granted, you know, again, the humidor has made a little bit of a difference, but not, not a huge difference. So offensively speaking, the Reds had a very good night. They had 12 hits. They scored eight runs. Normally in most ballparks, in most cities, that's going to be good enough to win, but not Denver on a regular basis. Um, you start with uh, Matt McClain. This was a young guy that many of you have been screaming and hollering, and rightfully so. Get him up here. College kid, not some high school guy. College kid, and of all of the big prospects they have in their organization, it's fair to say that they have challenged him the most because he's a college guy, his age, his mental makeup, his talent. They, they, they push him. One level, one level, one level, one level. Keep going. Quickly. And then all of a sudden they pull the trigger. He's the first of many, more than likely, that'll be brought up from the minor leagues this year. So he gets to start. Shortstop last night. Uh, many feel that's his long-term position. Ellie De La Cruz is also a shortstop. Barrero is also a shortstop. They got a whole fleet of them down there. McLean gets brought up. He's put in the lineup. Hustles his way into a double. He draws a walk in the game. He scores a couple of runs. I mean, he looked the part as a guy that feels like and looks like he belongs in the big leagues. 
Paul, you on that? Yeah, he he had a great debut, and and the way that he was, it just felt like he fit. You know, sometimes you got you see guys come up, and you know maybe they're overwhelmed. And I thought that uh, it was Chris Welsh on on the game last night, and he was talking about these guys that come up, and you look at the names on the back of the jerseys. And I thought he made an interesting point that you're playing in Colorado, and you're not starting with. New York, and you're not seeing some of those names that are on the back of the Yankees jerseys or on the Dodgers or some of these other guys that, that Welsh was talking about. He's saying, look, going out there to Colorado, you get a series under your belt, you get that day off on Thursday, and then you come home and you play the Yankees. But even still, even beyond that, he looked like he belonged there. He looked like he stepped in, he was confident, took the extra base, he knew it off the bat. You're talking about somebody who's going for his first major league hit, and he could have very easily, you know, taken in the moment and stopped at first. Yep. And and not to say that any competitor or any baseball player wouldn't do that, but for a rookie on his first major league hit, I wouldn't necessarily fault the guy if maybe he's a step slow going to first because the moment is just encapsulating everything that he's thinking about. That ball came off the bat. He, I thought Welsh, again, made a great point about how the fielders were positioned, having to go to the backhand, make that throw back to second, slides in safely, in there with a double, comes around to score, on base again later. Yep. Worked a great walk. I mean, all over the place. He had a really, really nice night. I know the Reds didn't win, but he had a really nice night. You know, it's interesting. You get into the whole psychology, and, and look, there's so much psychology in no matter what the workplace might be. Uh, I, I think if you were to ask any player in Major League Baseball, if you had to make your Major League debut as a position player, uh, where would you like to make it? I think most guys would say, uh, well, why not Denver, and if not there, Cincinnati? Two great hitters' ballparks, right? Why not? But then you get into the whole psychology of things. I mean, I, I've talked to Dozens and dozens of hitters, established star hitters that'll tell you, boy, they, they circle those dates when you know you're going to Denver and they're thinking, all right, I'm going to go out there in a four-game series and I'm going to put up uh, 10, 11 hits. Uh, I'm going to hit three, four home runs, drive in 10, 11, 12 runs and pad the stats. Then the next thing you know, uh, you go 0 for 8 the first two games and you're wondering what happened. But nonetheless, that's where you'd want to be. So McLean gets his in Denver, uh, and I'm sure if he's not in the lineup tonight, um, there ought to be an investigation. You have the kind of debut he has, he's got to be in the lineup tonight. But then there's Hunter Green. How many people did we ask this question, right? Whether it's Marty Brenneman, whether it's Chris Welsh, whether it's Nick Kirby, um, in any number of Bobby Nightingale Jr., any number of people we've had on the program that cover baseball for a living, right? Or have covered it for a living. And we asked them, what would um, success look like for the trio of Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft? The first thing always with any player in any sport is you get through the season healthy, right? You pray for good health. Green has already had Tommy John surgery, um, and he's a power pitcher. And, you know, look, 
the, the harder you're throwing it, the more torque you're putting on that arm, whether it be shoulder, elbow, whatever the case may be. Um, Lodolo missed time last year, too. He's now on the injured list with a calf injury. They're saying he's going to miss at least a month. Ashcraft missed time last year. So now all of a sudden, and and I'm not sitting here because I've been talking about it since the beginning of the year, and look, when they pitch great, we say on off the bench, they pitch great. When they don't pitch great, we're not giving them a bunch of rope. We'll give them a little rope, but we're not giving them a bunch of rope and a free ride around here. This is the big leagues. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. This is the big leagues. This is the pinnacle of a person's career when they play baseball. You're playing against the very, very best every single day. And you got to compete. And most importantly, you got to have preparation. And by far, the most important after the preparation is execution. Hunter Green is not executing. I just gave you some of the numbers a minute ago. If somebody would have told you that after 43 innings of this season, with the stuff that Hunter Green has, now, look, he rarely throws a change up. That's a pitch he's got to develop. And he and Derek Johnson are working on that, getting more comfortable with it, make it an effective pitch for him, throw it with more frequency to offset the speed of his blazing fastball, the hardest thrower in baseball. But if somebody would have said to you, 68 base runners, in his first 43 innings this season, would you have defined that as success? No, I don't think so. I think there are guys with one-tenth of the stuff of Hunter Green that are not giving up base runners at the pace in which he's giving up base runners. Right? Yeah. What do you make of it? I mean, am I being too hard on a guy? I'm not being hard on him. I'm not beating him down. I'm just giving the numbers. Right? If you're going to live in the analytical world, many of you do. That's all you do. Analytics. What are the numbers? Those are the numbers. I mean, I'll just say what Trace said on the Red Show yesterday. It just doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem like they are confused at all on the fastball for Hunter Green. It just it, there's just nothing there that is making them second guess. I mean, it's it's an easy fastball, which is just weird to say because I mean he's throwing 100 miles an hour, but still, I mean, I don't know what what it is that he's got to do. I mean, he's got to just develop more pitches, right? That that's all that it really boils down to. And I just don't know if he can I just don't know if he can do that without being where he's at right now, going through this process. Just, you know, I I, I don't know, man. I, it's it's tough because I also understand too and Nick points it out, is the defense has not been great either. Well, the defense stinks. Yeah, I mean... End of story. It's been horrible. And that also stunts part of his growth, too. I mean, 
yeah, we can complain all day that he can only make it through four innings and has 100 pitches, but when the defense lets him down time and time again, I don't know. It, it's a, a catch-22. Well, I, yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. And, and Nick Kirby, thank you for pointing that out as well. And somebody else added after Nick said his defense has been bad is, hey, look, sometimes you got to pitch behind and through bad defense. But look, we talked about this before the season started. Okay, we talked about for these young pitchers, physically, they were going to have to start doing some things. And I think we all agreed that from a potential, just pure stuff wise, Lodolo is ahead of everybody else. Ashcraft has pitched better than the other two this year so far, consistently speaking. But Lodolo has the stuff, the confidence in the fastball with very good velocity, breaking ball, um, he, he pretty much can take away the left-handed bats in the lineup, if any, even play against him in this day and age. But, but Green is the power guy. But we talked about this in, in this whole thing, okay? We talked about before the season started. We thought their bullpen would stink. And they stunk early. They have been much better lately. In fact, they're among the top two or three ERA bullpens in the National League after a terrible beginning. So we wondered on this program, you couple a bad bullpen potentially, which it's not turned out to be after the shaky start, with a team on paper that you knew going in the year was not going to be a good defensive team. They have guys that are probably playing positions that shouldn't be playing there, starting at second base and others. So... When, you, when you, you couple those two things in the psyche of a very young pitcher trying to establish himself in the big leagues, what's in the back of his mind? Gosh, will the bullpen hold it down and can I get a win? And some of you may say wins aren't a big deal. They're a big deal to the players that are playing and the guys that are pitching. They're a big deal. You can say whatever you want about it. They're a big deal. They look at the back of their bubblegum card and on every single bubblegum card and in every single listing of statistics, there is still a column for win and a column for losses. And guys don't like to see 0-2, 0-4, 0-5, They don't like it. So in the back of their mind, they're saying, okay, can the bullpen hold it if I leave with a lead? Then they're saying, okay, first and second, one out. Do I feel good about a ground ball getting hit somewhere on this infield and turning a double play that should be a double play? Do I feel about good about a ball going in the gap and a guy being able to run it down and catch it, hitting the right cutoff man, all those things? Maybe pitchers shouldn't be thinking that way. They do. Book it. They think that way. And now, for Hunter Green, you... On top of those two things, are you starting to question yourself at all? I'm not suggesting he should be at all. But, Paul, that's human nature, right? Yeah. You can have a guy like Sule Boom. Right? No, seriously. Yeah. I mean, you can have a guy like Sule Boom who can have three or four games where he can't miss. And then they're near the end of the year all of a sudden, man. He can't throw one in the ocean from a boat, Right? you know doubt is starting to creep in their mind. They may not say it, they may not admit it, but it's there. 
I just wonder if it's here right now for Green. Yeah, and it's a shame, too, with the way that he was highly touted coming up and everybody talking about him and it's going to be the, the future and, and the face of the, the pitching staff and everything that he was for years and years and years. And he gets the Tommy John surgery and everything he's been through to now get back to the major leagues, to get to the major leagues and, and to be able to stick there. Look, I, I think it's too early to make any kind of um, any kind of big overarching macro judgment on on green and where he is. But I do think, again, just the, the longevity of what he's doing right now in a game that he's just got to be able to go longer because the, the bullpen just keeps getting too taxed. Like if, if Hunter green keeps going four innings or five innings or whatever, at, at some point he's got to get into the seventh or the eighth. Well, one, I mean, look one. at Luke Weaver is a perfect example, okay? Yeah. Everybody felt like the first three starters in the Reds rotation were going to be okay. And early in the year, the four and five spots, Overton, Sessa, th things weren't going well, okay? Uh, Overton's not around. Sessa's gone. Okay, fine. I still think Sessa should be a part of the bullpen, but he's not. Um but even a guy like Weaver, I mean, the one start recently where he gives up, what was it, three in the first and one in the second, but he hangs around through the seventh inning. No more damage. Is seven innings, four runs a great start? No. But they're having to take green out of the game. Now, as Nick points out, sometimes the defense won't make a play, technically doesn't go in an error, Okay, well, now another batter or two more batters have to come to the plate. The pitch count begins to add up. I can't remember a game where Green is not in the fifth inning with 100 pitches. And as you point out, Paul, I mean, this bullpen, they have been so good. They really have. And the closer's a stud. The guy's a stud. Total gamer. Uh, but... Um, Diaz? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Alexis Diaz. He's a stud. I, I, I was thinking about something else. I'm, I'm saying to myself that, that you're right when you say uh, these guys are being worked to death. And now you got a guy in Williamson coming up. And look, Williamson might be the next Randy Johnson. I have no idea. Neither do you. Neither does Nick Kroll. Okay? Um. Did you see his numbers at AAA? His earned run average is almost seven. He has walked as many batters as he struck out. So conversely, we were talking a little while ago. If you're an offensive player and somebody said, hey, where do you want to make your major league debut? You're going to say Denver, maybe Cincinnati, a couple of others. If you're a major league pitcher, where you want to make your debut? Denver would be dead last on that list. Dead last. And that's a case for Williamson tonight. Okay. Uh, you know, Alex Wallace, it, listen, all this stuff is fine. And Alex, you're right. You say Hunter Green's only 23. Jacob deGrom was still in college at 23. I understand all that. Okay. To me, that's excuse making is what that is. Your talent has led others who make decisions that you belong in the big leagues fill in the blank on the age. I mean, the Marlins brought the kid up the other day that faced the Reds, who's 20, okay? Now it's his job to execute pitches at the big league level. 
This is now Hunter Green's job. It's Lodolo's job. It's DeGrom's job at 33 or whatever he is. It's Clayton Kershaw's job at 103, whatever he is. That's their job. So now their job is to get people out. They brought Aroldis Chapman up here. Now you can say he was a reliever, not a starter. He was, should have been a starter. Terrible mistake by the franchise. Terrible. Um, he made pitches. Tom, I'd also like to just point out one thing that maybe this is a stat, just a stat read here. He has 24 runs on the regular season so far. 22 of those are earned. But in fairness, like Nick points out, there are plays behind him and other pitchers on this team where the defense should have made the play. Official scorers in this day and age, most of the time, will give the offensive player, unless it's just an egregious ball through your legs, right? More times than not, they're giving out base hits. And so that leads to earned runs rather than unearned runs. Um, but something's got to change soon. And I understand the youth. I understand the inexperience. I understand all of that. But if we're talking about guys making progress in their careers, we need to start seeing progress from Hunter Green. They just gave this guy a six-year contract. This is reality 101. This is the big leagues. This isn't pitching for your high school team anymore. This isn't pitching for single-A date. This is pitching in the big leagues. Big league money, big league pressure, big league delivery of expectations is expected. Period. Ham and Eggers, take it away. As we remember Daniel Ray Herrera, take it away. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies, and we are going to talk a little bit about the Bengals, I think, here in, in just a little bit. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions. Actually, you know what? No. This is the Bearcats report. Because. Bearcats report, yep. Because, and I'll tell you why after I do the read. The Bearcats report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. The reason this is the Bearcats report today is because it was just announced before the show started from John Rothstein that UC and Dayton will play a neutral site, neutral site, neutral site game down at Heritage Bank Center next season. I, if, if you have listened to this show, you know that I have struggled to, to see the, the reasoning why like a Xavier or a Cincinnati would want to do a, a home and home with a Dayton, but at a neutral site, we'll see how they do the tickets, but at least it's at a neutral site. I know the fans would probably say that they would want it to, to be at home sites, but if you're going to play a game like this, throw it down at a neutral site. The Dayton fans will show up. I think UC fans will uh, will show out. 
be a good event, I guess. Yeah, that should be a good event. Should be a good event. Uh, but that'll be, I mean, there's no date for that. It's just an agreement to play that next year. Did not see if that's a, a multi-year agreement or anything like that, or if it's just the one year. Don't know. Do not know. But Heritage Bank, it, it needs some work. Needs some work. We have talked for hours and hours on end about that on this show, and that's where the that's where this game is going to be played next year. Be like the shootout back in the early 2010s. All right, the other one, Pawnee Water, right here. Pawnee Water. Had to dump it in into my water bottle to mix it with some stuff. Not alcohol. Mix it with <laughs> not alcohol. It's nutrient stuff. Sure. There's a new premium alkaline water out. It's Pawnee. Tastes fantastic. Made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, right across the street. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit PawneeWater.com. Their website is P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Drink Pawnee Water. Get your coffee from UDF. Bet with Betfred and get your technology solutions from <laughs> Encore.tech. I think we have devolved in the chat, Tom, to just listing old baseball players. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of the guys talking about uh, some of the pitchers. John Franco, Sam LeCure, Matt Maloney, Mike Lincoln. Wow, there's a name from the past. Travis Wood. Logan Andrusik. He had some good moments for this team. Stormy Weathers, I love that guy. Kevin Gregg, boy. A good career, but not so much with the Red Legs. How about Curtis Parch? I always felt for that dude. Dusty Baker brought that guy in. He was like a 6'8 redhead. Remember that dude? <laughs> Dusty Baker brought him in for his major league debut with the bases loaded. <laughs> Gave up a grand slam. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, Micah Owings. That was my, one of my all-time favorite Major League Baseball players. Love that guy. Pitcher and a hitter. Why? He's just an awesome guy. Just, I mean, one of the coolest guys ever been around. He could have been – he was a, he was a, he was an excellent Major League pitcher. His career was cut short. But he's also a great hitter. Um, guy could really hit. Um, okay, a couple of other things before we get to uh, Drew Goodman. We're going to circle back to this a little bit later on. What was your reaction, uh, Casey, to the Jonah Williams story? Did you see this story today? I did. I did okay, see it. Okay, for those of you that don't know, there been a lot of talk about Jonah. Uh, Kelsey Conway, I believe, on Cincinnati.com was the one who wrote it today about how the Bengals explored a trade right before draft day to trade Jonah Williams. Didn't work out. Nope. They decided to keep it. And that they are planning on Jonah Williams being their starting right tackle going into this season. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I was a little shocked that there was actual legitimacy there, that they that there was some trade talks happening right before the draft. <clears throat> It really just boils down to they would rather have a veteran presence there um, than having some rookie come in and have that right tackle starting spot. Um, I mean, 
clearly Dewan Jones was never in, in that conversation. I mean, he fell way, way down. It always gets back to Mr. Jones. I'm, I'm just saying, like, by the time, by the time that pick rolled around, they, w- they picked up a left tackle, and there was no right tackles available at the time that were first-round graded tackles. So unless they were willing to trade up after receiving some picks, um, it just didn't make much sense. And I doubt they were going to get a first-round. They were probably going to get no, maybe. No, they would have made that deal in a heartbeat. Yeah, they maybe would have gotten a second. I really doubt that too because I think they would have traded for that as well. So you're probably looking at a third pick, third round pick. And it, it was probably for the best that they didn't do that um, just because of the veteran presence there. Um, now, everyone in this chat knows that I'm I'm over Jonah Williams, but I do think there is some uh, – there is something to be said that he knows the system, um, has veteran experience, and um, you know more than likely that trade involved splitting some of the money. You know I don't know what the Jags cap situation looks like at the current moment, but we are probably going to have to, you know, pay some of that salary anyways. So. Yeah, I don't know. It, I'm not. I'm not too concerned, or I'm not as upset as some people are about this because it just wouldn't have worked out the way people think. Like we have no idea what they're offering, and I doubt. I doubt they were offering a first or a second. And if it was just a third, then it wouldn't have been worth it, in my opinion, because we would still had to have paid some money, and that leaves that right tackle spot, starting spot, open. And uh, right now, they, they feel pretty comfortable with him starting there. So, I mean, some of the people are beating up on the Bengals for not making the deal. I, I don't think they should have made the deal at all if it wasn't exactly what they wanted to get because they are in the business of trying to win right now, the Super Bowl. And again, this is where I'm going to turn it now on the player. We were very critical of Jonah Williams on this program. Uh, a matter of hours... After the team signed Orlando Brown. Now, if this is true, and it was pointed out by Kelsey Conway in the article today. If this is true that no one on the Bengals in their front office contacted Williams to give him a heads up that they were getting ready to sign Brown, that's a mistake. You got to give the player the heads up. He can't read it like you and I read it. Right. Okay. He's been your starting left tackle, good, bad, or indifferent. This guy's answered the bell every time you've asked him to be out there. He dislocated his kneecap the first time this year and did not miss a snap. So the guy's been a gamer for you. He's laid it out there. And you can say, well, you're getting paid a lot of money. Well, he is. All of them do. Money's got nothing to do with it. There are a lot of guys shutting it down over whatever it might be. I mean, this guy had a dislocated kneecap. And he's laying it on the line for you. Right. You, you, you should have given him a heads up. We're going to circle back to this conversation a little bit later because I know Drew Goodman's getting ready to get on here, the longtime uh, TV voice of the Colorado Rockies. But, you know, um, I am interested to see now what, what Williams is going to decide to do. Yeah. Because he has not been here working out. Right. Not been here working out with a team. Nope. Uh, there's a mandatory 
Um, few days he's got to be here in early June. We'll see if he shows up. Um, and, you know, it's his job now to try to get ready for his team and for himself um, to, to start getting ready for a season where you can win a Super Bowl. And if he walks out the door at the end of the year, so be it. But he's got to come ready to play. All right, we got our man, Drew Goodman, ready to go. I think we do. We do? Yep, we do. All right, you talk about a guy that's called it all. I mean, he was one of the original employees of Prime Sports Rocky Mountain going way, way back to 1988. Uh, for over 11 years, he called the Denver Nuggets. He's called World Cup, men's, women's, ski racing, college baseball, track and field, gymnastics, wrestling, golf, for crying out loud. Uh, he's done it all many, many times, Colorado Sportscaster of the Year. And kind enough to join us, an old friend, a good man, a husband and father of three, our good friend, Mr. Drew Goodman. Drew, good morning out there in Denver, man. You, you know, you, I see all these people that come on this show. My hair is falling out. It's turning white. Yours is turning a little bit white. But you still don't age a day, man. It must be that uh, mile-high living out there. Uh, you know what? It's not a bad place to live. You spend a lot of time out here. Sunny days. There are, what, 300-plus sunny days a year. Uh, big misnomer. I, I've always said that the Broncos will invariably play a, a game in October on national television. It'll snow, and the entire population of North America believes, oh, man, that's all it does in Colorado. But uh, actually, we have beautiful weather, man. It's a great place. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you're doing well, I hope. How's everything? Herring's great, Tommy. It's good to uh, be with you. I thought I'd wear this today also. My son, uh, my oldest son, played at Denison for a while, played baseball. I don't know if you can see it, but yep. I thought for you I would sport, uh, sport the Denison uh, logo. In fact, uh, they're one seed in the uh, NCAA D3 tournament uh, coming up. They're hosting a region. But, no, things are great. Um, life is good. I have no large complaints. Nobody gives a you-know-what anyhow. So, um, uh, no, things are, things are fine. You know, before we get to baseball, I want to ask you, because you were the voice of the Nuggets for a long, long time. I mean, this is such – and I'm sure you still watch a lot of the Nuggets games or go to games or whatever it might be. They got the number one seed uh, in the West. They start tonight against the Lakers. Well, what's the feel there in Denver? Jokic comes out and says, hey, this is a very different uh, L.A. team than we saw during the regular season. What's the feel uh, in Denver going into this series? Confidence, a little concern, a little of both? Um, I, th I think they're confident, and uh, I think many people also know the history uh, twofold in that the uh, Nuggets have never even been to a, an NBA Finals, and every time they have matched up with the Los Angeles Lakers in the postseason, that would be seven times, they have gone home seven times. Uh, but this is, without question, the best Denver Nuggets team uh, of all time, and they feel very confident that they're the best team in the NBA. And this is not, hey, we want to, you know, make a conference finals uh, again. Uh, they're they're hell-bent on winning the whole thing. That's their focus. And, and uh, the other component is, is Jokic. Uh, this guy, I, I think we get caught up so much in, in basketball with, you know, guys that, and they're phenomenal athletes, guys that, you know, can can beat guys off the dribble and and 
you know, put their head on the rim and, and have, you know, unbelievable one-on-one abilities. Well, this guy plays glued to the floor, but he's phenomenal. He truly is an all-time great. And uh, for those that have not seen him play enough, perhaps back east, um, when you watch him night in and night out, there's a consistency and excellence to his game. And I think that embody the thing that embodies what he does the most is that we talk about basketball making people better around him. LeBron has always done that. Magic Johnson, one of the you know the greatest at doing that. That's what Jokic does. He makes everyone night in, night out uh, around him much, much better. So uh, long-winded answer to your question, Tommy, but they're they're really excited here in town, and they really believe this is a team that can be the last one standing. Well, you know why I got you on? Because, like I said, you've called everything. I mean, you've called the National Football League. You've called Big 12 football. You've called all kinds of football. So I'm kind of curious, before we get into baseball a little bit, on a couple of topics out there, because Denver is, is really been, in a lot of ways, from a national perspective, or greater Denver anyway, uh, very much in the news uh, here in the last number of months. You start with Deion Sanders, our old friend here in uh, Cincinnati. You know, uh, much has been made about him taking the head job at the University of Colorado. They win one game last year. I know you're an old Big 12 guy, uh, Ithaca College and the University of Missouri, uh, when they were in the Big 12. But, but I'm curious, you know, we can read so much about what he's doing out there. Can you put into words what he's done for that region now all of a sudden for Buffalo's football? Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, Tom, I'm glad you brought that up. It's it's really amazing. And I've said this a couple of times. Well, first of all, um, I went up to the press conference when, when Dion was there. And I'll be honest with you, you know, you and I have both been around a long time. I don't know, other than Nick Saban, if he left Alabama, and that wasn't happening, I don't know if there's another guy they could have, you know, hired that I would have, you know, trekked up to Boulder. And I love Boulder. Um to go watch a press conference. But I said, this is must-watch television. I want to be there in person. There's something that's magnetic about this guy. And, um, you know, I, I remember doing a couple of his games when I was doing, you know, NFL stuff at NBC back when he was playing. Uh, he has turned uh, the entire community around in that CU was so bad the last few years, last year in particular, they were non-competitive in the vast majority of the games they played. And now, you know, all attention is on Colorado. Just read this morning where uh, Fox in their noon kickoff game, their, their big noon game, uh, however they, uh, you know, phrase that, they're coming and, and they're going to they're gonna do the game when they play TCU when they open up. Uh, so uh, there's a ton of attention. And now, as, as we all know, you have to go win. And it's hard to win immediately in college football but the other thing that he's done he's brought in you know these four and five star players from around the country and it seems like every recruit now on their list of visits it's alabama georgia um oh alabama georgia and colorado you know that that wasn't happening for a long period of time so uh it takes talent to win number one as we all know in athletics and he seems to be acquiring it. Now we'll see how it plays out in the future on the field. But uh, he, he's he's drawn such attention to a program that had been an absolute afterthought. And a lot of longtime season ticket holders had left. And, and it, it's done a 180 thus far. All right, that's on the college side. Then there's a the pro side. Uh, they make the big splash and they bring in Sean Payton. What's been the reaction to that move? I, I think they needed an adult in the room. And, and that's not to be a backhanded 
slight, um, you know, at, at, at the coach who just left. But uh, they they brought in Russell Wilson, and I think Russell Wilson, you know, is, is a tremendous young man. He's not a young man anymore, but you know, he he's very philanthropic. He's always you know, done everything right. And he had tremendous success on the field in Seattle. Well, last year was an abject failure. And and I think that some of his uh, eternal optimism with what played out on the field kind of was turned against him, kind of his rah-rah personality. And it also came out that, you know, he was basically running the show. I mean, he had an office on the coach's level. Uh, he had you know, all of the, the special treatment that I think a lot of quarterbacks get. And it, it's pushed to the side when you win. But when you lose and lose in the manner that the Broncos were last year, uh, it, it became uh, an issue, so to speak. And so they needed to go get a coach that had been there, done that, had had great success, um, had worked with a quarterback uh, that had been around for a while. And, of course, he – we're talking about a guy who worked with Drew Brees. So um, I, I think it was uh, a natural for this new ownership to go and get, as I said, an adult in the room, somebody who was truly not only a seasoned veteran coach, but somebody with a long uh, history of winning. So um, uh, it, it's played out again. You know, they Deion Sanders won the press conference. Going back to your first question, Tommy, about football in the area. Well, without question, Sean Payton won the press conference uh, when he took over here in Denver. And now we'll see how it plays out in the autumn. All right, let's shift gears now to the Colorado Rockies. Uh, they get the win in game one over the Reds last night, 9-8, uh, 18 up, 24 down on the year. You know, you look at the Reds record, uh, which is basically only a half game uh, worse uh, or better than that at 18-23. and 23. Uh, but people around here feel like 18 and 23 is is nothing short of a miracle, at least if you, know, you believe what you read before the season started. What's been the reaction to 18 and 24? Are they expecting better in Colorado for this year? Um, I, I think you have to go back, to be honest, the last few years to appraise where, where the Rockies are right now. Um, and that is the fact that in 17 and 18, they were in the postseason. In fact, in, in 2018, uh, the Rockies finished in a dead heat in the NL West with the L.A. Dodgers. And they had to play a game 163, which the Dodgers won. Uh, the Rockies then overnight went to Chicago and, and won the wild card game against the Cubs and then got swept by Milwaukee. And the reason I point that out is that team featured, Tom, as you well know, Nolan Arenado at third, Trevor Story at short, D.J. LeMahieu at second. It was, uh, in, in my opinion and many others, the best infield in baseball offensively and defensively. And, you know, shortly thereafter, they gave Nolan a lot of money, and then the relationship turned sour. Um, they, they kind of felt like they were forced to trade him. That turned a lot of people off. Trevor Story decided to, um, you know, walk out the door. D.J. LeMahieu was not re-signed. Uh, the owner admitted at the time, Dick Monford, that, you know, he wished he got a do-over on the, on the D.J. LeMahieu deal. He went on to be a, uh, you know, twice finished in the top four in the MVP voting in the American League. So a lot of fans were really upset with, you know, how those things went down. And so now you, you go fast forward to where we are today. There were, there were not any expectations 
you know, for the Rockies this year. And there are a lot of fans that have, you know, walked away. And, and I hope, you know, winning brings them back. And the way they got off to uh, the start they got off to this year, they were horrendous defensively in April. Uh, they didn't swing it very well. So uh, to see them, you know, turn things around of late, um, I, I think it's been great to see. But the the fan base is not they, – they always draw well here, Tom. You've done countless mm-hmm. games here. But um, there, there's a lot of fans that are on the sideline right now. They're upset with the Rockies. And, and the only thing that's going to bring them back is consistent winning. You know, I, I'm curious, Drew. You, you've been around there for so very long. And I remember having conversations with Don Baylor, who managed here a long, long time, with uh, Clint Hurdle, who managed here, took the team to the World Series. Jim Leland in the short stint that he was there. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, I've always said that the, the, the greatest challenge for any team in any sport is for the Colorado Rockies to win because of altitude and all of the arteries off of that very big flowing vein, right? And you can have the humidor and you can have the other thing. Is that a safe statement fair statement or uh, no? no tom i think it really is and i am not utilizing that as an excuse for the organization uh, they have the greatest challenge in baseball and it's a fact um and it is because of altitude and, and i'll uh you know break it down a little bit more here in that from a pitching standpoint toughest place to pitch you know great american ballpark as you well know is not a you know, not a fun place for pitchers because a lot of fly balls end up in the seats. But pitching at altitude with the vastness of the outfield and and ball flight and lack of movement on pitches that are on their way to home plate, um, all of those things, when you compile them, make it the most difficult place in the history of the game to pitch. That is a fact. That is not opinion. And then secondarily, what we were talking about earlier, you know, with CU football where, you know, talent wins. We know that in every sport. We celebrate different coaches. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the horses, you don't win. Well, if you have free agent pitchers that are at the top of their craft and they're on the open market, they ain't coming to Colorado. There's a lot of places they may go, but they're not coming to Colorado. So that makes their um, – journey to assemble a roster the task of assembling an elite roster that much more difficult because they have to grow their own typically or you know try to take a reclamation project that nobody wants and so you know we're, we're a last bastion for a pitcher to to come uh, that does make it more difficult than than the other 29 general managers have when they you know set forth to, again, put a a 40-man roster together to be a championship contender. Well, I mean, look, Steve Stone and I used to talk about this all the time, about how, you know, one of the jobs of a general manager among many is you, you assemble your team, not entirely, but certainly in part, due to what kind of ballpark that you play in for 81 dates a year. And I remember in Denver, and correct me, uh, Drew, if I'm screwing this up. I mean, I've been out of it for a little while now. But 
you know, th- there was a philosophy for a while there of, of so many balls falling in front of outfielders. We're going to play the outfielders more in. There was a philosophy there. You're talking about bringing in free agent pitchers, you know, whether it was Denny Nagel or Mike Campton and some of these guys, and they weren't the same guys that was pre-Humidor. They, they shouldn't expected the same guys uh, that were pitching in Atlanta or Cincinnati or Houston or wherever it was before they got to Colorado. What, what sort of the – philosophy of the organization now from a pitching standpoint granted you're not going to bring in the big free agent guy but when they're going out and drafting guys now what's kind of their philosophy over the years and all the data of what they think might have the best chance to work yeah and i think it's changed tom uh, over the years is you know the compilation of, of data continues and and analytics has become such a larger uh, part of the equation of how you assemble uh, a roster and specific to when it comes to pitching. I think it used to be the Rockies needed ground ball guys, sinker slider guys. Well, I think that's evolved to, yes, you would prefer guys to get ground balls who are pitching at Coors Field. But the bottom line is if you miss enough bats and the ball's not in play, uh, balls aren't going to drop in or fly over the wall to what you described earlier. So I, I think uh, the more guys that they can um, get through Latin America or through the North American draft that have the ability to miss bats, um, I, I think that is a direction that uh, they have begun looking over the last several years. They're number one last year, a young man by the name of Gabriel Hughes out of Gonzaga, a big, strong right-hander. He's a guy that you know they became enamored with because – he has the ability to miss bats, and, and hopefully when he eventually arrives in Denver, that will continue. Um, Herman Marquez, who they gave a nice contract. Unfortunately, he just had Tommy John surgery. He's been a very durable guy, but Herman, when he's been at his best, yeah, he gets ground balls, but he also has the ability with traffic um, to miss bats. And I, and I think that's the key um, currently and moving forward. All right, tonight uh, you got Brandon Williamson makes his major league uh, debut pitching for the Reds, just called up from the minor leagues. And then you have Chase Anderson. We saw Anderson in spring training this year with the Reds. Uh, He ends up going for a short time with uh, – what are they expecting from him tonight? Well, the Rockies actually the last few years, Tom, had had pretty good health with their starting rotation, Marquez – uh, Senzatella, Kyle Freeland. Freeland's enjoying a great year. Senzatella, you know, blew out his ACL last year, just came back, and then he has a uh, an elbow situation. So he's going to be down for a couple months. I, I mentioned Marquez. So the Rockies were, were in desperate mode to find some starters. Tampa Bay had to uh, release Chase Anderson. Uh, I think it was a roster type of move. Mm-hmm. He'd only thrown five innings. They were all scoreless. Um, you know, so the Rockies gobbled him up. Again, a veteran guy that, you know, is not going to be, you know, awed by pitching in the big leagues. He's done a ton of that. So uh, it, it was a move out of, you know, with all due, due respect to Chase Anderson, the Rockies have, have they actually have another need. They, they need another starting pitcher right now because their depth at the minor leagues at the, at the highest level is not quite ready to graduate uh, to the big league. So that's why Chase Anderson's here. And, you know, for Chase, who's, you know, always been a good solid starter, yep. there's an opportunity to, uh, you know, stick around. 
Kind of curious before I let you go, and thank you for your time today. You know, a, a, a lot of people will ask me this question, and, and I'm curious to ask you this question. You, you have broadcast so many sporting events, and, I mean, you were one of only two or three guys, I think, ever in the history of sports broadcasting, correct me if I'm wrong on this, where you were simultaneously uh, the lead television voice of two professional sports franchises in the same city at the same time. So you were doing the Nuggets, you were doing the um, Rockies. Why ultimately uh, baseball for you over the other sports? Um, great question. I, uh, I I was you know very flattered, honestly, to um, you know to have the opportunity to do both. And at the time, they were all under the same umbrella. It was Fox Sports uh, Rocky Mountain, one of the Fox Sports regionals at the time, and. Uh, you know, I love hoops. Uh, I, I I love doing football. I've, I've gotten the question, Tom, as I sure I'm sure you have throughout uh, your career. You know, which is your favorite sport to do? And from an anthology standpoint, I I will always say baseball because it lends itself to being anecdotal. Um, you can you know tell stories and have a conversation with your partners, um, not only about the sport but about the individuals that um, you know make up. Uh, you know, that, 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 that are the actors out there on the field. So I, I love doing that um, from a singular event standpoint. Football is king because yep. the games have so much meaning and you, and you work all week as a broadcaster, you know, to get ready for that. But to, to answer your original question, um, and I love doing the NBA, um, uh, what happened for me is that Stan Kroenke, who – uh, continues to own the the Nuggets and the Avalanche, uh, decided when that deal was up with Fox Sports that he was going to start his own uh, entity. And he started Altitude. Um, the, uh, so there were two competing regionals, and I couldn't work for both of them. So at that point in time, I had to make a choice. Do I go with the Nuggets and Altitude, or do I go with the the Rockies and, and Fox Sports. And I stayed with baseball because financially there's twice as many games as we all know. And, um, you know, I, I played college baseball for a while. Um, I have three boys that, that all played, um, you know, at high levels. So, you know, I, I still look at, at my family as a baseball family. And, and going back to what I said, not to be redundant a moment ago, Tom, as you so well know with, with what you and your dad have done throughout your great careers, is that, you know, baseball lends itself to being conversational and telling stories. And, and um, I, I love that aspect of it. And so uh, I, I'm very privileged to do what I do. And I'm very privileged that, uh, you know, I've had the you know, the length of career that I have and, and that I was able to stay with uh, with the game of baseball. Drew, we can't thank you enough for your time this morning. I know it's early out your way. You're an early riser anyway, and they're pumping iron and throwing tires around and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we thank you for your time, my friends. Great to see your face. Great to hear your voice and wish you nothing but the best. God bless, my friend. Yeah, Tom, back at you. I wish you all the best. And uh, anytime uh, we can do this again, love to. And uh, you stay well. And please uh, send my best. Uh, to your dad, I, I, I told somebody in the Reds organization that yesterday. Uh, I said, hey, if Marty comes around, please uh, please tell him hello. And I, I want to share one thing really quickly with you. You can, you can remind your dad of this because I'm sure he did it for many 
uh, young broadcasters. And I'll never forget this. And it's why one of the many reasons you, your dad um, was particularly special for me is that my first year doing the Rockies um, in 2002 were in Cincinnati. And I'm, you know, online to get something to eat um, in the press, you know, in the di press dining room. And your dad comes up to me and he, you know, he didn't, I didn't know he knew who I was. And he pushes out his hand, that big voice of his. And he said, Hey kid, welcome to the big leagues. And uh, I, it was like such a seminal moment for me and uh, something, especially, you know, your dad having the stature he, uh, he did and does, it meant a lot to me. And, you know, you know if, you, if you tell him that again, uh, uh, I'd really appreciate it. Well, he, he, he's, he's uh, watching, no doubt, right now. I was with him at our Sun State playoff game in the uh, lacrosse high school tournament last night. And, you know, he, he, he hadn't changed a bit. I mean, he was ripping the players' ass when they were playing. He's ripping high school guys, <laughs> including my son, his grandson, while he's playing now. So not, not much has changed. Yeah. But, uh, Drew, great yeah. to see you, man. All the best. And we'll catch up sometime soon, I hope. You bet, Tom. Be well, man. All right, man. Drew Goodman, kind enough to join us from Denver, Colorado. Red Legs out there tonight to play the uh, Rockies. That was one of my all-time, one of my favorite guys. Uh, well, I got to see them a couple times a year when you played them out of division. When I was in the NL West working with the Diamondbacks, I uh, used to be able to see him all the time. Is there breaking news, I'm being told? Yes, there is. Doc Rivers was dismissed from the 76ers. Fired. See ya. Do you know the Doc Rivers I read? He is, uh, this year was the third time that he's been the head coach and his team has lost a series which it led three games to one. Wow. Yeah. He just doesn't get it done when it matters it, anymore. He used to. He used to. He won. I, I still think the guy's hell of a coach. Some who who was it the oh, one that said the comparison? Is it Dusty to, Baker? Yeah, great coach. Great coach. But when it's not cutting time, NCN boys, you gotta win. Tell you who's win. not on that list. And what did I tell you? Your guy James Harden. Oh my gosh! Disappearing. Right. The invisible right. player. Yeah. The invisible Hall of Famer to be. Nowhere to be found. That's Doc Rivers' 10th Game 7 loss. Ooh. 10th? Ooh. That's rough. I'm taking that straight from Everett Henry, but it sounds right. I knew it was somewhere between 8 and 10, so 10, that checks out. And then there's that coach of the Dallas Stars. That what I read uh, this morning. He is, uh, is it DeBoer? Is that how you pronounce his last name? Mm. I think it is. Our beloved Dallas Stars. I think he remains unbeaten in Game 7s as a head coach in the National Hockey League. I don't know how you pronounce it. That sounds like a nut cutter, Tom. There's no question. There's no question. All right, let's take a timeout. You know who's coming up around the corner. Um, that would be the Tracer. That would be the this Tracer. This would be a very, very interesting day for the Tracer to come on. I, I, I do want to ask him before we have a little fun about you getting engaged, Paul, and uh, Casey's uh, bachelor party. I do want to ask him a little bit about Hunter Green. We, we've shared some of our thoughts here on the program. Yeah. Uh, Tracy played the game. That's why we have him on the show. I'm sure he's Hammond Eggers. Mr. President, big event. Canceled due to bad weather in Iowa the other day. DeSantis was inside. Take it away, Hammond Eggers. It's that type of the show, the Hammond Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. <clears throat> Casey? 
Paul. We do have all of the pictures in the video from Saturday night for people that are maybe listening on podcast form and want to go back and watch all of this. Casey, it took a while, but Casey got all the pictures in the videos from Saturday night that we took together down at, uh, it looks like Holy Grail was yep. where we were. Yep. All that's from Holy Grail. All that's coming up with Tracy in about five minutes. Well, or whenever Tom gets to it with Tracy. Yeah. How are you feeling? Better? Uh, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, you were not good. No, Sunday morning was not great. Um, had some Pawnee. Had some Pedialyte. And I was up in, you know, I was, I was feeling good by like one, two. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was doing great. I uh, wouldn't say that I'm a seasoned veteran or anything like that, but I, I knew what to do. You need some Pawnee, you need some Pedialyte, and get both of those, mix it together, and boom! You're up and rolling. Good as new. Good as new, Casey. Good as new. Good as new. So, Tom, before before uh, we get Tracer on, I just wanted to quickly go back to the Jonah Williams thing. Do you think that they would have called that he would have been okay to go to the right side and wouldn't have asked for a trade? No, I, I don't think he would have been okay with it. I don't know whether he would have asked for the trade, but I do think it's just the right thing to do. That's fair. I, I don't think that's asking too much that a guy who has been a part of your organization, we're not talking about some you know guy who just finished his first or second year and was a part-time player. This guy has been a starter since the day you drafted him in the first round at the most important position on the offensive line. Right. And he's answered the bell. Again, good, bad, or indifferent. He hasn't been as good. Uh, last year he wasn't as he was maybe the year before, the year before. We, all, we know all that. But I just think that if you're going to make that kind of a headline, Jonah Williams deserves, and again, we don't know if this is accurate. This is what Kelly, Kelsey Conway reported today in Cincinnati.com. Her statement was, no one from the Bengals told Williams ahead of time. He should not be reading it when you and I read it. Right. Is that fair? That's fair. I think that's, I think that's incredibly fair. Um... I do wonder if he would have still requested the trade if they would have told him, um, especially for their their plans with him. I don't think that would have. I don't think that would have changed. I think he would have still made it known that he wants to be a left tackle because that's where the glamour is and that's where the dough is. Oh no, I I do agree with with that sentiment. I just don't know if he would have. I don't know. Maybe he would have still done it. I would like to think that this is definitely the Bengals saying, like, this is your final year here. That's what I got from this. Um, but I don't know, man. Maybe he plays well at right tackle, and then what do you do? I mean, you're, you're going to lose your starting right tackle at the end of the season regardless. 
just an uh, interesting situation that they have now. See, you know, this is the kind of thing, and it's brought up in the chat, and I, and I think uh, PB's ghost brings up, you know, uh, Jonah illustrating his attitude by not showing up even for his rehab because he did have to get that surgically repaired when he dislocated that, that kneecap again. Th this is a thing that I, you know, uh, maybe I'm just an old man, and I am an old man, but I mean, maybe it's just my line of thinking. And, and I think about it, okay, if it were a player that I would think about having on my team one day who plays for somebody else, okay, he's going to be a free agent. Um, you know, you look at his age. You look at all these other things, his health, clearly, if you're, if you're thinking about signing a guy. I'm also looking at, at, at sort of the, the, the intangible stuff too, right? Okay, Williams played through a dislocated kneecap, came back the next week, didn't miss a start, didn't miss a snap. Those things I like seeing. If that's a guy that I'm going I'm to extend out some cash for and bring him into my team. But, but, but now I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, all of those things would be check, 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 positive for Jonah Williams across the board. And you can debate his uh, execution on the job last year, no doubt. But all the intangible things, check, 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 check. Now all of a sudden, here we are, not even two months removed since Orlando Brown uh, was signed. How many of those boxes are you checking now? Within hours after it happens, his agent screams for a trade. Okay, well, we heard Tim McGee the other day. He used to be an agent, and he said, not surprised by that. That's an agent's job. Okay, all right, I can live with that. But now all of a sudden, um, he's not in town rehabbing and maybe he has a great place wherever he lives that he does a rehab well okay uh did not come to any of the voluntary stuff and now comes here in june something he's supposed to be here for now is this going to be one of those where you know it comes out where he says well i'm just going to stay home and do my rehab which he might okay he might. I don't know if they can find him. I don't know how that whole thing works. Is he going to be one of these guys that, that shows up late for training camp? He's not going to sit out. We, we talked about this. We said this about Lamar Jackson. There was no way on God's green earth that Lamar Jackson was not going to sign a franchise tag. He wound up getting his deal. But he was not going to walk away from a 30 or $40 million paycheck. Jonah Williams ain't walking away from 12.6. He's playing. But how do his teammates look at him if he shows up late? Did they look at Jesse Bates any differently? I don't know. I wasn't down in that locker room. Jesse Bates was a better player, if you ask me. Well, he had a lot of cred, that's for sure. I mean, no doubt about it. Uh, and was an outstanding player. Um, but... Now, all of a sudden, you know, if I'm Jonah Williams' agent, and I'm not, nor will I ever be, but if I'm his agent, I'm saying, Jonah, listen, man, you know, when the, when the thing comes up in June, you, you got to get there. And go ahead. I don't know if you bought a house or you're renting a place year-round or whatever it is you're doing in Cincinnati, right? But just stay from now on. Get down there with your teammates. Get down there with Orlando Brown. Get down there with Joe Burrow. Get down there with those other offensive linemen who are here working out all together to build the, the, the chemistry. 
Get down there with Frank Pollock, and let's start getting to work on right tackle position, the nuances of the position, right? Let's get you together with uh, Joe Walter here in town, right? Outstanding right tackle. Lives here year-round and has for a long, long time. Let, let, let's sit down with this guy for four or five days. Bring him in, down to the complex. Pay him a little bit of money if you're the Bengals. And, and, and let's start learning a brand new position. Because this team is counting on you being the starting right tackle. They're paying you $12.6 million to be the starting right tackle. And the goal is, ultimately, you look like a great guy. You play great at right tackle. You're a great teammate. Okay? You made the adjustment to a new position <clears throat> five years into your career. Oh, and you won a Super Bowl which is a recipe to get a monster contract, whether it be as a right tackle or a left hand, if you're the starting left or right tackle on a Super Bowl winning team. You're guaranteed. Huge contract. And, and the numbers bear that out. I mean, look at the contracts for not even getting to a Super Bowl. The guys like Von Bell or Jesse Bates or Hayden Hurst. Look at the contracts they got. If the Bengals would have been 7-10, and 10, right, you ain't getting those deals. Success will lead you to uh, more prominence uh, and a better paycheck. All right. We call it the best 30 minutes in television. We do it twice a week. Time for our main man. Uh, he's back in California mode on this cloudy, somewhat chilly May day. The Tracer. Tracer, hey. how's everything? What's on your mind today, my man? Everything's good. I apologize for being a couple minutes late. Uh, I was out shopping this morning. I was at uh, Nordy's shopping. That's Nordstrom's. Okay, that's a high-end retail place. And I was actually—I wasn't going to talk about this, but I was actually looking for. Do you know one of those long raincoats? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like the crossing guards would wear. It was almost like a. A uniform. It, you, someone would wear it that looked like a like a, a, a banana, right? Just that tall. I mean, from head to toe, it was yellow, right? You're talking about like, like one of those yellow rain slicker kind of things? Yes. Is that what you mean? That's what it is. Okay. That's what it is. I couldn't find one of those. Uh, no. And the reason I'm getting them, I think they're outdated now. I mean, back in the old days, he used to wear those. No, right? you can still you can still get those, and, but you'd have to go to the you know the kind of highfalutin stores you're used to. You know, uh, like you'd have to probably go online to a to like a LL Bean or somewhere like right. that. Right, right. That's what I'm, I'm going to put Danae on this. But I'm getting this jacket or this raincoat for your dad, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> we did a show yesterday, and he was complaining that he's been rained on. The last four games that he's attended, Luke's lacrosse game. Yeah, they, and he's, we've been a lot of rain. He, he's right. A lot of rain. Well, he's yep. tired of it. Let, let's face it, guys. Marty's getting up there in age, right? I don't want him to get the sniffles that lead into a cold, that lead into pneumonia. I mean, I want Marty around for a long time. I'm Marty's best friend. I don't know if you knew. You knew that, Tom, right? Uh, he brings it up frequently, yes. Okay, here's the thing, and I asked Marty, I says, you're getting rained on, is Tom helping you? I says, not really. I says, can't you go sit in the press box? He says, no, they don't have one. Is that true? 
That's not true. It's not true. And he could go sit in there. There's always an empty booth or two. It's a beautiful press box at Marymont, but not all our games are at home. Most of the games we've been rained on, we have been on the road. So I was thinking, does it bother you that your hair is getting wet? He says, since I got this military cut, the water just rolls off my hair. Kind of like water off a duck's ass. You know what I'm saying? If you get that visual. Yeah, And so he doesn't have, he just wants some type to be protected. And I thought you could do something for him. They say, you know, you and Polly have the umbrellas. You come prepared. Marty and Amanda sit there and get poured on. That's let's, a, that's let, let's, good, let's, let's correct that to start with. Okay. I have never once sat at a sporting event of our sons outside, even in the most horrific rainstorm. I have never sat with an umbrella one time. Do you, do you my need one wife, of those raincoats? My wife, yes. Me, no. I'll put on the lid. I'll bring a sweet jacket. It's got the hood on it. And I'm dialed in. Sitting right there, right out there, like Belichick. Maybe I, can get a, maybe I can get a discount. Maybe I can get you one and your dad one. One of those long raincoats. What'd you call them, Tom? Slicker. Would you slicker? That's what it is. I need to look like you. Sort of like a Southern California city slicker. No, we don't need that because it never rains in Southern California. Have you heard that song, Tom? (laughs) I used to sing that song at the Blind Lemon with Bill Hemmer. I bet you did. Please don't sing it now. I got something for you guys today. You know, I always come prepared, right? Yeah. Always come prepared with stuff. Question for you. Who, who's sitting there in the, who's the ham and eggers today? You're, you're, you're two main men. Okay. <clears throat> here's, here's, let me throw this at you. Okay. Okay. Who's the greatest baseball player of all time? And I want you to take into consideration his entire body of work. Go ahead. Give me a name. <clears throat> Go ahead, fellas. I don't know. Casey's just getting to learn baseball a little bit right now, so I don't know if he wants to give this a shot or not. I don't want to speak for you, uh, Casey. Um, is Babe Ruth acceptable? Yeah, of course he is. Nice. Nice. Oh, I would say Babe Ruth. Barry Bonds. That's a good thing. Man, both great guests. Tom, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to say Hank Aaron. <clears throat> nice. Someone else you'd put in the mix, maybe Willie Mays. I was going to say, um, or maybe Willie yeah. Mays. Yes. Yeah. Willie but Mays may be a better defender, I, Willie Mays. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But remember, I'm talking body of work. Okay. okay. Let me read you the stats of my guy. You ready for this? He hit 521 home runs. He hit, he had 2,600, oh, a little over 2,600 hits. And he had 1,839 ribeye steaks. Now, what you're probably thinking, okay, but those aren't the best stats of all time. Here's the kicker. And if you can guess who this is, chime in. He did not play when he was 24, 25, and 26. He lost almost, he lost almost all the years when he was 33 and 34. He came back at 34 and was hit 345, 356, 345, and 388. Who's this player? Well, I know it's not John Cruck. So I'm going to say it is, uh, I'm going to say that would be Ted Williams. You got it. Your dad's favorite player. 
Have you guys really looked at Ted Williams' stats? Well, they're, they're, I mean, they're insane. They're, my dad and I insane. got in a big argument one day about, uh, about, about this topic, about Barry Bonds versus Ted Williams. And when you start looking at the numbers, um, yeah. I mean, it's insane. It really is. I mean, he lost 24, 25, 26. He lost those three years to World War II, right? Then he plays. Then he loses almost two years to the Korean War. He's a pilot. He's a yep. fighter pilot. Yep. He flies 38 uh, missions. I think he gets shot down. Yes, he did. And survives that. I mean, what an incredible life. An incredible hitter. And everybody kind of puts Ted Williams down there. I saw a list of the top players ever, and he was like ninth of all time. And I just think he's so underrated. And your dad and I brought him up on the Jones and Brenneman on baseball show yesterday. And Marty had to just show me the stats. And I was like just shaking my head. Incredible, incredible life. Incredible baseball player. Incredible hitter. You know, I'll, I'll never forget as long as I live. Uh, in 19, was it 88 or 89? It's one or the other. And uh, I'm working for Channel 5 here in town. And it's the same year. Um, it's a year when Johnny Bench gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and Johnny was working for Channel 5, doing the Reds games on television. And so they sent a, a camera guy and I, Rob Reichley, up to uh, Cooperstown, New York, uh, to cover Johnny Bench being inducted to the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, uh, now it's ceremony day, and they have basically, you know, now they turn it into a big television production and a red carpet kind of thing. Uh, but back where the stage is, uh, where they have the, the, the you know, the, the big ceremony to induct the guys in the speeches and so forth, uh, behind there is where all the cars pull up, and the Hall of Famers uh, from, from the past come walking in. And, and there's dozens and dozens and dozens, every big name you can possibly think mm -hmm. of who's still alive, they're all there. Super. And I'll never forget, I had never, um, I, I mean, I'd read about Ted Williams, didn't know a lot about him. Um, he gets out of the car, and, and I can still see this like it happened five minutes ago. Yeah. Everybody's dressed up in a coat and tie and a really nice suit and all this kind of stuff. Ted Williams jumps out. He was a big fisherman. That was his first mm -hmm. love, you know, was a big outdoorsman, the whole nine yards. He gets out of this car, and he's got on a, a, a seersucker sport coat. He's got on an open collar, you know, kind of like a Tommy Bahama sort of shirt with a shirt tail hanging out. And he's got a pair of sunglasses that are hanging around his neck off a cord. And this guy gets out, and I'm thinking, I knew it was right away. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is like the coolest dude I've ever seen. And he was an old man. <laughs> but he was the coolest dude. You know, I mean, yeah. just to, to look at him, you're like, man. Well, and the, he, only he's, other he's... Guy, the only other guy who came close to matching him in the history of baseball, as far as cool. You know, a lot of the young people today, they think it's cool if you got a mullet, and they think it's cool if you got a nose ring, and they think it's cool if you got a, whatever they call that little stupid thing that grows off your chin or whatever it is, right? They think all that's cool. Ted Williams was cool, and the other guy who was the coolest of all was Joe DiMaggio. Did you ever meet him? No, I didn't meet Joe, and I really liked just his stats, too. They say he's a great guy. But you know what's really cool about Ted Williams that you didn't mention? They froze his body. 
That's, That's really right. being cool. That is really <laughs> being cool. And as far as the, the tattoos and the earrings, I don't think any of that is cool. The only thing, and maybe Casey can talk to this, is maybe getting a Prince Albert. I was thinking about maybe getting something like that one of these days. I was thinking about it, but that seems painful. But but Ted Williams, what a, Tom, what were you laughing about? <laughs> Could you explain to me what that is? This is a teaching Tom moment. A, a what? A Prince Williams? Prince I, Albert. Prince Albert. Prince Albert? Even I don't Look, quite know what you, that you is. Gotta, I'll show you. you You're going to show you have me? to see it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Casey would look great with one of those. Tracy? Yeah. Yeah. Rocket. Well, let's little, see it. Little thing on the side. <laughs> no, Tom. I'll put it up on air. I want to see it. <laughs> and that thing, by the way, that I was talking about was Scott Spezio made those famous during the Angels run in the World Series where it's called a um, soul patch. Well, you got the little, you know, growth right there under the lip. Soul patch. I you know what is really? That uh, was kind of cool. Yeah, that's all right. Stuff like that. The piercing's all right. It's the tattoos. I see these old old ladies with these tattoos and i'm thinking miss that doesn't look good even young girls can you imagine when they're 80 years old and they're all wrinkled up or even when they're 40 because you know how women really come slide down fast can you imagine having some of those tattoos <laughs> i mean it's just that's that's a horrible look how about a tramp stamp would you ever get one of those Tom? here's the prince albert here's the prince albert <laughs> There's Prince Albert right there. <laughs> so those no, are kind of like a more, a more, a more, uh, those are like, uh, what do they call them? Mutton chops, right? Yeah, that's, yep. that's a different Prince Albert than I was talking about. <laughs> I don't want to know. All right, listen, I want to get into something. So, uh, there, there are a couple of topics we need to cover today. Uh, and at the end, we're going to walk through, because Tracy, I showed up at Paul's, I mean, at uh, Casey's bachelor party on Saturday night down along the banks. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. get to that in a minute. And a couple things that transpired there. Uh, Paul, as you may or may not know, got engaged over the weekend. So oh, we'll, we'll get to fools. all that. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to all of that in a minute. I was first, so terrible. First thing I want to talk to you about, plenty of time for this. First thing I want to talk to you about, Tracy, is I have maintained all along, outside of maybe two starts, I think there is reason for concern here on Hunter Green. He's pitched Ooh. 43 innings. He's given up 68 base runners. Now, some might say small sample size. They would be correct. But projected out over a full season, if this pace continues, he would pitch 169 innings for the year and allow 270 base runners. Um, is there reason to be concerned for you? Because you played the game about Hunter right. Green. You know, we, I saw his line from the Rockies. That's getting hit, hit hard. I understand having bad games. It, it happens. But he's getting hit. Like Randy Johnson... I never saw Randy Johnson get hit. Did you? Did no. you ever see Randy Johnson give no. up 10 hits? Did you ever see no. Nolan Ryan? Oh, there's three home runs. But Hunter Green, his ball must be extremely fl flat. Um, 
And this is why I talked about it. You don't give multi-year deals, especially to pitchers. What was the hurry? Tom, we talked about it. Now you start to question, would they have still given him that long-term deal with those numbers? I mean, you make up a great point. He's given up way too many base runners. I'm not saying he doesn't have the velocity, but that ball must be extremely straight, like I said, or light. You know what a light ball where the guy you know, hits it and the ball jumps off your bat? Something's happening there, and it is a concern. You know, um, we, we've talked with you on this program that as far as just pure stuff, not power stuff in Green's case, but as far as pure stuff, breaking ball, good fastball, good location yeah. by and large most of the time, uh, that's what Ladola. he seems to throw what is called a heavier ball. For, for those of us novices out there, explain what that means as a hitter of a guy who throws. They both might be throwing 97. They yes. both might have good movement on the fastball. But one, it seems like when you hit it, it's a heavy ball. On another guy, it seems like, like you said, it's jumping off that bat. This is really a great inside baseball topic because there's such a big difference. I'll tell you a guy who threw a really heavy ball. I'll give you two guys. Two guys that you hit it, and it felt like you hit a shot put, right? It just doesn't. It, it kind of almost jars your bat back is Danny Jackson. Heavy, heavy ball. And uh, Norm Charlton. Heavy, heavy ball. I mean, you hit off those guys, and that ball doesn't go anywhere. A guy that throws a light ball... You know, it would be like a guy like Rick Russell back in the old days. I thought Rick threw a kind of a, a, a light ball. Good pitcher, but kind of light ball. But, yeah, it makes such a difference. And don't ask me how you do that. I don't know how some pitchers have a heavier ball than others. I don't know what the mechanics are, but it's just something that happens. And a pitcher that has a heavy ball is really, really hard to get a lot of runs off of and, you know, hit home runs, of course. All right. Here's another topic I want to bring up with you. Um, the Reds are five games under 500, but they are only five games out of first place. So, so l l let's assume for a second, and my dad, I mean, he climbed all over my case when I brought this up with him last Wednesday. I mean, he was all over my case. But yeah. look, the standings are there, and they tell you a story of exactly where you are. They've told you how many you've won, how many you've lost, and where you stand in comparison to the teams in your division and around the rest of the sport. Your immediate concern is where you stand inside of your own division. This is a brutal division. Now, we'll see the Cardinals brutal. on four in a row. We'll see if they get hot. I keep waiting for Milwaukee to get hot. It hasn't happened. The Pirates have crashed and burned. Here they come, right? And, and the Cubs stink, too. Okay? Yeah. It, 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 but if you're the Reds, if you could get green, let, let, let's say – you get Lodolo back in a month. Um, Green starts to get things straightened out. Um, Luke Weaver has done okay since they brought yeah, him has. up. A lot better than the other guys were doing in that spot. Yeah. We'll see about the Williamson kid tonight. Uh, you know, they brought McLean up now, right? Has a nice major league debut yesterday. Um, if they're four or five games out around the All-Star break, and they have these long list of prospects, okay? Mm -hmm. And look, uh, John Sheerholtz once said to me, the legendary longtime general manager of the Braves, he once said to me, 
you better know your own organization better than other people know your organization. And when I say that, what I mean is if the Reds have 15 bona fide prospects, they've got to know in what order those guys rank in and feel pretty confident about that. Okay? Right. No exact right. science to it. But here's the, here's the question I'm asking. If the Reds are four or five games out at the All-Star break, should they sell some of the farm to go get some players that could help them win a division this year? Oh, absolutely not. No, no. I, I think I think the year we talked about, I talked about it with the Ham and Eggers last time I was on, is you got to think that 25, 2025 is the year. And I, they've got six of the top 100 prospects in the Reds organization. They've got some players. Tom, I think the goal for this organization would be to finish 500 or above and try to finish in second place, which I think they really can. This is a brutal division. And you watch it, Reds are doing all right. They really are. They're, I, they're surprising me a little bit, but I would not go and get rid of any of those players. I would not touch. Adela Cruz is going to be a superstar. He's off the, he's almost an untouchable. Uh, Marte Arroyo, who's another big prospect in the top 100, another shortstop. McLean, who's up. You see McLean's stats down in AAA? Yep. It's almost like he's playing in that whole baseball. And then you've got Encarnacion. And then maybe the pitcher that I would bring up, and he's in the top 100, is I think it's Abbott, isn't it? The yep. lefty? He's, he's off to a great but You've start, got another guy. Yep, yep, yep. The Reds are really, really close, and I would not disrupt that at all. No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about this year. I'd start planning for 2025. Okay. Um, we got about seven minutes left in the program. And we, I, I don't know if I agree with that or not. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think their franchise has lost so much with the fan base. It, it, it's apathy at this point. It's not even love or hate. It's apathy. And apathy is the worst of all. Terrible. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I'm not talking about De La Cruz and guys like I'm not saying that. But if you've got, yeah, yeah. you know, if you've got the number three guy in line as a shortstop behind De La Cruz and McLean, and he's a top 15 guy in your organization, and you've got two or three of those guys that if there is such a thing in baseball like there is in the NFL of a depth chart, there I would give serious consideration to parting with two or three of those guys to get a, a, a bona fide hitter or a bona fide number one starter. And if he wants to leave at the end of the year, hell with it. Um, all right. Um, two things came about. Let's start with Paul. Uh, he's been playing us for months now. He told us earlier today. He's been playing all of us for months now. He's had this whole engagement thing planned, knew the date, the whole nine yards, he wouldn't show his hand. Good poker player. Good for him. But your initial reaction after what I think you and I are in agreement. We thought he had a pretty thing, good, good thing going here. He was staying up watching basketball games till 3 in the morning all winter. He was doing pretty much whatever he wanted to do. And now this. Your reaction. Paul, can you do me a favor? And can you pull your head out of your ass? Have you not been listening to this show for the last eight months? You poor bastard. What's the matter with you? What is the matter with We were going to get a different girl, a hotter girl, when you went to the Taylor Swift concert. Remember that? You, when you go, because there's going to be a lot of wool there. 
you were going to go get her something to drink and eat, and you were going to start getting some numbers. Remember, we were going to get rid of this girl, not get engaged and married. Jeez, what stupidity. I guess through osmosis of sitting there next to Casey, look at what's <laughs> going to happen. Look at that. God, come on, Tom. Tracy, I had been just accumulating all of your advice for so long. I just kept sitting here and and taking it all in and taking it all in. And then I just thought to myself, well, you know, I'm going to have to make a decision here. And then Tracy's going to have to, Tracy's going to have to live (laughs) with the decision. And I knew this day was coming. I knew I was going to get reamed. And now here we are. Two wrongs don't make a right. You ever heard that? Write that one down. (laughs) Did you uh, think of that? I just made it up. I'm a quick thinker. All right. So, all right. Now we get to Casey. Tracy, I was out with my wife and uh, another couple. We had a nice dinner. We're having a, you know, nice time. And I say to my wife, as I had said earlier, I'm like, look, I, I really want to go down there and buy my friend Casey a beer for his bachelor party. So I met them down at the Holy Grail on the banks. You know where that is. You've been there before. Yep. And here's a picture of us hanging out, having a, a cold Coors Light, whole nine yards, right right there in the Holy Grail. Uh, but one thing we have learned since then, uh, a little while here, Casey and me hanging out, Sir Boy Wonder in another picture there in the middle, one of uh-huh. our regulars, had a great time. Uh, but here, here's what happened. Casey, could you please tell him what happened when – about your bride being upset, bride-to-be, uh, here in two weeks, that you did not text her, and then what happened? Well, so she was upset with me because the first message of the night to her wasn't just, you know, I wasn't checking in on her or anything, or, you know, check, I wasn't doing a check-in <laughs> or anything like that. I didn't talk to her enough. The first message I sent her was, hey, babe, can you send me $100 really quick? So I could go play at the casino. <laughs> that was the first message of the night since being out partying. And uh, she did not like that. I got a bad grade from, from her on that one. Tracy, well, when he told me that she was mad uh, that he hadn't texted her, I, 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 I said to myself, I, I don't know what guy, and nobody texts back and forth with their wife more than me when I was on the road all the time, but right or called my wife more than me. Still to this day, she gets mad at me because I call her too much. But I mean, when when I heard that that Alexandria was upset that he had not texted, I thought to myself, that's a ground rule that has to be laid right away. This is a bachelor party. Look, I'm hanging with the boys. Yeah. We're having a good time. There's no trouble here. We're all good. Right? You know where we are. We're on the banks. And then to hear that he had to ask her for money. Oh. For gambling. The degenerate gambler that he is. You know, I think we have to discuss the elephant in the room. I want you to know something. Saturday night, I'm sitting there till one o'clock in the morning. I've got a stack of $1 bills thinking that I'm going to get invited to this bachelor party. Then we're going to the brass ass for a nightcap. I get no text. He's too busy texting his fiance. Couldn't you have texted me? Then she, then, then your fiance would have something to worry about. 
Casey, yeah. did you not tell Tracy about Saturday night? Is that what he's saying? Is that accurate? Um, that, that, you know, that was, this a, isn't the, a tough question to the, answer. Mr. That, Biden, that, that could that you was, please just answer this question? That was a no, uh, I know. oversight. Um, no, you know who it was? Wait, hold on. I don't like excuses. You know whose fault it was? It was that J O Tomas, right? <laughs> <laughs> the best man. That guy's fault. I got to tell you, Tracy, you would like Tomas. Tomas is, is a big ligger. I like that dude. It, yeah, who are the couple of guys with their hat on backwards? That's a stupid look. Who are those guys? Those are my. So those guys are my uh, my uh, my groomsmen. One on the far left with his hat on backwards is Chris. Uh, the one to the right of him is Jared. And uh, that's all I can see that have their hat on backwards. But well, you guys missed you guys missed a great time. I was gonna buy a twenty nine dance for everyone. Remember the twenty nine with mayonnaise. It's a special <laughs> dance at the brass ass. Then you see you guys missed out. I had a pile of ones like this. Now you use those ones at the brass ass to keep the girls' clothes on, not off. Just so. <laughs> you want to apologize, Casey, before we let Tracy go? Yes, I do apologize, Tracy. There's no excuse. I should have invited you. And uh, I totally just forgot. I just forgot. I had a lot on my all plate right. that day. and No yeah, other excuse right. other than that. All right. Tracer, so um, listen, I feel bad. So um, I, I feel I bad. I feel bad. Left off the list. I feel really bad. All right, my man. Well, uh, we will bad. catch up with you on Thursday. Have a great rest of your day, and thanks for your time today. All right. I'll look for that slicker. Is that what they're called, those long raincoats? Slicker. Yep. And I'm trying to think of the old. It used to be very popular for a long, long time. If you want to find them online, I think the name of the thing. Come on, Paul, help me. What's one of those preppy, uh, elitist, where you're from kind of style? <laughs> What are they called? Uh, vineyard you know, vines? Not a, what? Like a vineyard No, they, they wouldn't have it. Uh, but, but like that. Used to be popular years ago before Vineyard Vines came along. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'm drawing a blank. All right. All right. Good luck, Tracy. All right. If I find one, I'll let you know. All right. I'll see you guys. See you on okay. Thursday. My feelings are hurt. Remember, I'm very thin-skinned and I'm very sensitive. They should be hurt. My feelings are hurt for Tracy Jones. Don't blame me. There he goes. To never be heard from again. Cherry on top. All right, let's have it. This one hits cherry on top. I got a Costco run today. Ooh. Oh, oh, we need to address that after the cherry on top. That place quickly. will be a zoo. Uh, so this is our guy, Ryan Nola. Getting a headline play on the MLB Twitter account last night. Check this out. Through the legs. How about that? It's our guy. You see guy. That's our guy. Had him on the show. Our first professional athlete on the show. Current athlete. Look at that. Through the legs. Ryan Noda, big ligger. I said Nola. Yes, Noda. You were thinking of Aaron Nola. I was thinking of Aaron Nola. Yeah. Yes. Big league play. He's practiced that before. So to the backyard. Tom, you said that you have to go to Costco today. Yeah. And you are getting burgers for a uh, graduation party or something? No, for our lacrosse team. Okay. Our lacrosse high school team. lacrosse team. Uh, you know, you're in the one and done now. 
You know what I mean? We're not used to one and done at Marymount, but uh, we won our, our first playoff game, lethargic effort, a win nonetheless last night. And now round two Friday night. So after practice on Thursday, we have, um, we have a big cookout for the entire team and the senior parents, of which I'm one of. But you were saying before the show to us that you're buying these burgers for this cookout and that you are cooking on what exactly? Yes, it's the biggest grill I've ever seen. My good friend Mike Mooring, who owns uh, EnviroCare, a big landscaping company here in town, good dude. Uh, and, and fellow, uh, goalie dad, his dad, his, his kid was a goalie at Marymount before our son took over as a goalie after he graduated. Uh, and this thing has 18 burners on it. Knobs. He showed up towing this thing by his pickup truck a few weeks ago. We had one of these for the junior high school team. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And we're ready to roll. 16. 18. 18. It's the biggest thing. I mean, it, it, it's as long as this room. Almost, well, not quite as long, but, but well over halfway the length of this room. I spent probably 15 minutes before the show trying to find a grill that had 18 burners on it. I could not find one. Well, maybe, he, he, maybe him and some buddies helped rig this thing up to add to it. I can't, it. It looks like something, to be honest with you, that's rigged up. doesn't look like something you'd buy. It's so big. There's no chance. 18... Not just 18, burn, 18 knobs that knobs, you can turn. Knobs. It's unbelievable. I'll take a picture of it for Please you. Please do. On, I'll take a picture of it Thursday night for you. Um, uh, it, it, it's unbelievable. I can't wait to, uh, to have the big cookout on uh, Thursday night. Uh, tomorrow, we got a few things cooking here. Now, coming up later in the week, uh, we got some big-time guests. We got uh, Steve Flesh coming on to talk about the PGA. Right? Former PGA Tour winner. Multiple-time winner. We have Paul O'Neill, who makes his home here in Cincinnati. Former Red. Went into the Yankees, you know, big... Uh, Monument Park. Yeah, Monument Park out there last year. He'll be joining us. The Reds are playing the Yankees this coming weekend. He'll be joining the program. Uh, we have Zim Houday, who will be joining us on the program. I'm forgetting a couple other people we got lined up. Tommy G, talk about the big one on Friday night. Friday. Right? Yep. FC Cincinnati V... Uh, Columbus, Columbus crew, right? So we got a lot going on. So to uh, Casey, Paul, thank you, gentlemen. Jacob, good to have you with us. Thank you. All right, to all of you, thanks for being here. And we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Have a great Tuesday.